Hey, thanks for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and to help you live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has for your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for this day, for this moment in time in this year 2022 on July the, is it the 17th of July? Yep. 17th of July, 2022. We're here and we want to say God speak. We want to say God move. We want to say God transform our lives, whether sitting at home in our lounge rooms or in this room, we pray God that you'll move, that you'll transform our lives. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm wearing my uh, shirt that when I, um, when I went to uh, Cambodia, the, um, the staff at Trans from Cambodia, I oversee seven staff there, and they all put their money in to buy me a shirt. This is it. Isn't it pretty awesome? So if you're watching, you Cambodians, thank you for the shirt. Apparently, I look handsome. That's what Hannah just said. Is that what you said? I'm going to receive it anyway. Thank you. All right, I'm going to start by sharing a story with you as, as, as I like. When I was a young boy, um, for whatever reason, I had to go from my front, I was at home, from our front yard to our backyard, and, and I was raced out the front door, zipped along our front veranda, jumped off the veranda, turned around the corner of our house to head down the side of the house, and what was, the, what was on the ground was this gigantic, gigantic blue-tongued lizard that went <laughs> at me. It looked like this. It looked like this. If you're watching online, I hope you can get a picture. It looked like that. I went, ah! I turned around and raced, raced back inside. And, and ever since that time, I've had a fear of big lizards. Now, my wife, my, my wife, she is like superwoman. You know why? She can pick up blue-tongued lizards. She is strong. She's courageous. And I go, I ain't touching that. There's no way in the world. You know... We all have fears, don't we? We all, through, as we go through life, there's stuff that happens and, and we all walk, we all have fears in our lives. Now, some of these fears are healthy fears. The Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, which is about a respect and about an honoring for the Lord, where we go, God, I, I, I fear you in, a, in an honoring and a reverent way. You know, God uh, gave us the ability to be afraid, which then clicks something in us when we walk across the street and we didn't notice the bus was coming and the bus bips his horn, and we look up, fear rises up within us, and we run across the street. Again, a, a good reason to have fear. Or maybe in, in, in an emergency, someone has collapsed, and something, some fear rises up within us, and adrenaline kicks in, in order so we can help that person. So some of the fears like that in life are actually beneficial, because they help us um, thrive, help us get through, help us do well. But most of our fears, most of our fears aren't healthy. And these fears are the fears that hold us back from everything that God wants us to do, his will for our lives. The fears that hold us back from God's will for our lives are unhealthy. I read an article by a group called Yupa, and they listed the top 10 fears that people have. What I want you to do is turn to the person next to you. You've got 30 seconds. And, and I, want you, I want to see if you can come up with the top 10 fears that people have, and I'll show you on the screen. It's a bit of a test. If you're doing this on, start now, go. If you're doing this online, feel free to put the fears in the chat box, and we'll see how many you get, or turn to the person next to you and also discuss it. Top 10 fears that people have. All righty, we're going to keep moving. Here we go. Let me give you the answer. 
And as I give you the answer, you need to count how many you get right on your fingers. Are you ready? The first one they mentioned is a thing called social phobia, which is around social anxiety. This type of phobia covers a broad range of situations in which people are afraid to interact with others because they fear judgment. Ooh. Who got that one? You got that one? Who, who has that one? Oh, good. Very good. Fear of heights. Yep. Um, fear of snakes, bugs, spiders, lizards. Later lizards on that one. Um, fear of closed spaces. Did you get that one? Fear of flying. Did you get that one? Fear of the dark. No. Fear of getting a disease. That's relevant for our last few years. Hey. Fear of blood or, the, or death or people getting injured. Um, fear of violent weather. And the last one is fear of death. How many did you get? How many? Six. How many? Five. Five. Any others? Five. Three. Any others? Anyone get one? More than one. Pari got one. Well done, Pari. I can't see online, obviously. I hope you got a few. What I want to talk about today is this last one. And I want us to talk about fear of death. And I want to ask this question. Why are people afraid of death? Take 10 seconds, turn to the person next to you. Why, do, why are people afraid of death? And if you're watching online in the chat box again, put it in. Why are people afraid of death? Alrighty? You like your answers. What do you got? And I'll repeat them into the microphone so people online can listen. Fear of not achieving everything that you dreamed of or desired. Someone else said something? They like what they got. They like what they got and they don't want to lose it. Yeah? Someone else? Fear of pain and suffering. Fear of pain and suffering as that could, yeah, lead up to that time. Sorry? The fear of the unknown. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone else? Leaving behind loved ones. They're all good reasons. Not being there for being there for your children. Yeah. I wrote down a few. Maybe they feel they're scared of facing God. <laughs> they fear of the unknown. Fear of being burned, eaten by worms, closed closed spaces. Fear of being buried alive, burned alive. Maybe they think it's the end and it's final, that's the end. They're the things I came up with, Mum beat wacko, but anyway. Today I want to talk to you around this topic. What happens when I die? For the Christian, if you're a Christian watching this online, if you're a Christian in the room, as a Christian, let me tell you, there is no fear in death. Sure, it can be sad, as Hannah mentioned, for those we leave behind and what's going to happen to our kids if we pass early. But that stepping over that into that next stage of life, that next stage of the journey, as a Christian, there is nothing for us to be, to, to be afraid of. And the scripture tells us a whole heap about what that looks like. You know, from a very young age, we are, we are trained in our behavior to, to avoid death or to avoid serious injury from a very young age. And we as a society do lots of things in order to keep people safe and try and extend people's lives. We put childproof lids on medicine containers so the kids can't get to the medicine. We have road rules so people drive safely. We are teach kids about what they should put into their bodies and what they shouldn't put in their bodies. We have risk assessments. We have fire drills. We have education about not putting blankets over heaters 
on a plane, they, they are teach you the brace, the brace position and they tell you where the life jackets are. I'm not sure if that's going to help you, but they are tell us that. We have, we have LifeGate cha- Safe Church policies. Why? Because we want to keep people safe. And why is it important to keep people safe? Because every life is super, super valuable. Do you know why every, every life is valuable? Because we're made in the image of God. God made us in his image. Now, is it marred? Is it blurred compared to what it was at the beginning? Yes. But still we carry many of the characteristics of God different to every other part of the creation. Man, man and woman, man, mankind is the pinnacle of all that God has created. We are loved by God. We are made by God. We are designed by God. Therefore, we have value. But our body isn't going to live forever. These are all the parts of the puzzle. In the beginning, God made us so we would live forever. But then man sinned. And at the sin, and when sin entered the world, people began to die. Our relationship with God died. And our bodies started to decay and break down. And people live less and less and less and less and less. And now we get maybe 80, 90, 100, up to 120 years if we're a very small amount. But during this stage of life, we grow and then we start to get older and we start to, body starts to break down. Doctors try and keep us alive as long as they can. But ultimately, but ultimately we're all going to die. Physically, we're going to die. But what happens then? What happens to us once we take our last breath and this physical body dies? What happens then? I want to take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We've got three more messages in 1 Thessalonians till we finish off this, this book. And in this passage, Paul talks about what happens when you die and what happens after you die. Check this out. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. He writes this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. Do you like my trumpet? And the dead in Christ will sound much better than that, I'm sure. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, at the um, death of a loved one, it can be really, really difficult. And obviously it depends on how close they were to you, a spouse or a child far out. Um, I haven't lost a spouse, praise God. haven't lost a child, praise God. haven't lost a parent yet, praise God. But I've lost grandparents and aunties and lost other people close. And, and when we lose people that are close to us, it, it can be like part of us. Part of who we are like dies with them. And, and, and even as Christians, it's right to mourn. It's, it's right to feel loss. It's right to 
Feel the pain of that. Even Jesus in John chapter 11 wept at the death of, at the, at, at the death of Lazarus. But what Paul writes here is that we don't grieve like the rest of humanity. Check out what he writes in verse 13. He says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. For, for us, death is not the end. And at the time, people believed that at death, it was the end of your journey. That was it. It's finished. It's over. And Paul writes here, because for Christians, it's not the end of the journey. We actually go and be with Jesus. And then at his return, we are all gather with him. And then we will see those who have died before us. It's actually something in some ways to look forward to. Because we get to go and be with Jesus forever with no more of this pain and death and suffering and the stuff of this life. Those that die, if they're in Christ and if we're in Christ, we will see them again and will be with them forever. Hence, we don't grieve, we don't mourn like the rest of mankind. This passage, um, the context of this passage is, it's believed that the uh, new believers in Thessalonica were so so convinced that uh, Jesus was coming back any day that they, were con- they expected Jesus to come back and then they'd all go and be with Jesus when he comes back. But then Jesus didn't come back as quickly as they thought and the Christians around them were starting to die as they, get, as they got older, as they were martyred and they were going, what happens to all these people that have died before his return? What happens to them? And Paul responds, and he, and he says to them in verse 13, he responds by saying, I do not want you to be uninformed about those who have fallen asleep so that you do not grieve. And that's the reason that he's written. So they're not uninformed and so they don't grieve like the rest of humanity. Yes, you will grieve, but unlike everyone else. As we look at this um, text, I want us to look at one main part and it's around this idea of sleep. Because in this text, we see in verse 14, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And in verse 15, according to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. And here, Paul uses the word sleep for death. And this word is used in, the word sleep is used many times in the scriptures around death. Why is it used? Well, some of the commentators say maybe they use the word sleep because the body is now still, maybe. Um, Maybe it's around a rest from your labor. Um, In the Old Testament, it talks about the kings who went and rested with their fathers. But I reckon, and this is where the commentators generally agree, is that they use the word sleep because death is temporary. I'll say that again. Death is temporary. Look at Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. When you die, you go to a place of sleep until 
Jesus returns. Some will go to life and some will go to con- con- contempt or condemnation. In John 11, 11, Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep and he was dead for four days, but I'm going there to wake him up. So when we die, it seems like the scripture teaches us that we go to a place of sleep. But the question is, so what does this sleep look like? Well, the first thing we want to say is that this sleep, when you die, is that when you go to sleep, you go to be with Jesus. And this is the really important piece, that when you die, you go to be with Jesus. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. In other words, when we're here on earth, sorry, is that what it says? Yeah, at home in the body, our spirit, soul, in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. And we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body, leave this shell behind, our spirit and soul, go to be home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from the Lord. So when we die, we go and be with Jesus. That's, that's, that's the most important piece for today, I think, of the whole thing. Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes this, If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart, die, and be with Christ, which is better by far. Hear that super important phrase. That when he dies... When he leaves his body behind, his soul and spirit, when, when that time goes, he goes and bees with Christ, which is better by far. Important phrase, better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So when we die, our spirit and our soul go to be with Jesus, which is described as sleep. Now, is this sleep conscious or unconscious? Remember, we are with Jesus. Are we with Jesus? Are we conscious or are we unconscious? Well, it's not super clear, but I lean towards conscious. In Matthew chapter 17, 1 to 8, we have the, um, the story of the transfiguration where Moses and Elijah come and meet with Jesus and, and where this idea that even though Moses and Elijah are asleep in this temporary place with the Lord, they could still talk to um, Jesus. There's another scripture in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9 to 11, which is around the seals. And, and in the fifth seal that is opened, it, it's around the martyrs, the people who were killed for their faith in Jesus. And they asked the Lord, how long until, un, until justice is done on the earth? So they are waiting, they are asleep with the Lord in that place. But again, it seems like they're conscious because they are asking the Lord, how long are we waiting until justice is done? And finally, these, these are two scriptures from 2 Corinthians that I just read to you. And Philippians 1, this idea that I'm with the Lord, which is better by far. So it sort of leans towards a conscious state. It's not super clear, but it leans that way. So when we die, we go to this sleep, temporary place with the Lord, where it seems like we're conscious. For how long? Until, until Jesus returns. Look at verse 14. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. When Jesus comes, he's going to bring with him those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, God, Jesus will speak. We tell you that we who are still alive, and if Jesus came back today, that's us, who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not proceed 
those who have died before us. We're not going to go before them. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. Command. I wonder what he's going to say. Jesus is going to come down from heaven. He's going to come down visibly and he's going to say something. It's going to be a command. Then there's going to be the voice of the archangel with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ, those who are asleep in Christ, they will rise first. And at that point, we get new bodies, right? After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So in summary, Jesus, so if we die before Jesus comes back, we go to a temporary place where we're with Jesus, most likely conscious, and we're there until Jesus returns. At his return, Jesus is going to command something. Maybe enough, finished, arise. What's he going to say? Come on, give me another idea. What's he going to say? Welcome. Welcome. I like that one. Well, it is, it is, that was like a big, deep voice. It is time. It is time. I love that. That was Hannah, everyone. Um, it is time. Any other, any other words Jesus is going to say? We're making this up, of course. This is not in the scriptures. We're making it up. Maybe Family. it is. Family, whatever. Jesus comes back. And he makes this command. And then the archangel says something incredible. Then we have the trumpet, whatever that's going to sound like, much better than I sounded. And then those who are asleep in Christ will rise first, we'll get new bodies, and we'll go be with Jesus. And then those who are left, who are in him, will rise up to be with him forever. Sounds pretty good? Sounds pretty good. This is why death is not scary for a Christian. We're going to read that scripture in a second, Nikki. Um, you're stepping ahead. Um, that's okay. Where, where was I going? You, there, as a Christian, there is no need to be afraid about death. Because right now, walking on the earth, Jesus is with you by his Holy Spirit. He's here with us now. As we breathe our last, we go and be with him forever. And we stay with him. When he rises, we go with him and get new bodies. And we are with him forever. It is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing to look forward to, where all the stuff in this life fades away, where all the pain, the bad backs, the headaches, all the stuff go through the list. It all disappears. And Paul writes, to go and be with Jesus is better by far. There is no need for us to be afraid of death. And this is all possible because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. In Jesus' death, he dealt with our sin. In his resurrection, he defeated death. And now he has the power over death to give eternal life to everybody who believes in him. It's because of Jesus' death and resurrection that death is defeated, that there is eternal life. And if you want eternal life, all you need to do is commit your life to Jesus. All you need to do is put your trust in him. All you need to do is ask him to forgive you, and he will give you eternal life. Have you made that decision today? Right now in this moment, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity right now. With head bowed, 
eyes closed if you're watching online. Pray this prayer. And if this prayer is for you, I just want you to put your hand on your heart. God, this is for me today. I'm going to pray a prayer. I encourage you to repeat these words after me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead and conquered death. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you pray that prayer, you've just become a Christian and you've just become part of God's family. You're part of his family. Welcome. And we want to help you as part of his family grow, grow in your relationship with God. Become a disciple that follows him all the days of your life. If you're watching online, put a comment in the chat box. Click on the prayer tab. Let someone know that you prayed that prayer. It's super important. And for those in the room, please tell the person who invited you or go to the Start Here desk or come forward for prayer at the end because we want to help you in your journey. You know, even as Christians, sometimes we can get caught up in this fear of death thing. I want to read to you the scripture that Nikki mentioned from Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. Since the, since the children have flesh and blood, this is the writer of Hebrews writing to believers. He says, since the children have flesh and blood... He too shared about Jesus. He too shared in their humanity so that by his death, Jesus' death, he might break the power of him, that Satan, who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. One more time. Since we, the children, that's us, had flesh and blood, he, Jesus, shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus became like us, and in his death, he broke the power of Satan. And to free us, not only did he break it, but to free us, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Jesus has died and risen from the dead, so you do not need to be afraid of death. And if you're carrying that, we want to see that broken today. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite Aidan and Annabelle, and they're going to lead us. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray for those online, and we're going to say goodbye to those online. And for those in the room, we're going to spend 10 minutes, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for this fear of death, and if you're carrying that fear, we want to pray for you, but we also want to pray for every other fear that you're carrying today. We're going to have a prayer team at the front. And I'm believing, I've been praying that as we pray today, God would break, God would break chains, that God would heal hearts, that he would shift mindsets. And we would people who will not walk around in an unhealthy fear, fear that holds us back from everything that God wants for us. We won't walk around in that. We won't walk around with that. But rather, we would be set free from that fear. In Jesus' name, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to say goodbye to those online. Father, we're going to thank you for your word. We thank you, God, there is no fear in death for the Christian. For we know that you are with us now and that when we breathe our last, we go and be with the Lord forever in this temporary place where we're most likely conscious with you, God, until Jesus returns, where we get our new body and we get reconciled with every other believer on the planet who goes up to be with you in the air. Father, we thank you and we bless you. And for anyone, Lord, online who is struggling with fear, 
fear in any area of life, particularly fear of death. Father, we want to speak to that fear now. And we say that, that, that our fear will be gone now in Jesus' name. We bind every work of the enemy that's holding people down. We bind. And we speak freedom over every life, over fear of death, over fear of anything else, fear of the dark, fear of social phobia, fear of spiders and lizards, whatever it is. Break that fear in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Hey, for those online, thanks for joining us. We're going to say goodbye to you guys now. God bless you. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name's Andrew, and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church, and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to help you find community, get support and prayer, and take your next step. So why don't you connect with us and take your next step at lifegate.org.au and click the Next Step button.